0: Hello, San Pedro podcast, episode 84. Hey, I'm Amanda. And I'm Jess. And this is the Hello, San Pedro podcast. Join us as we
1: talk with locals, community leaders, business owners, and people like us who love all things San Pedro. Every week, we'll explore San Pedro's deeply rooted culture
0: discuss local issues, and spread good vibes. Let's get into it. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Hello San Pedro podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Amanda Silva, So, today will be the last episode in this series where we focus on local history in honor of Angela Romero. Um, So, from here on out, September is going to be Local History Month, and we're really excited about that. Um, But of course, we are entering October, and we will be having new and different episodes coming up, and we're really excited about those too. Um, So, in today's episode, the final episode on local history, we have an amazing guest. She's just incredible. We love what she's doing. Um, and we would love to see more people do what she's doing, although it is incredibly hard and challenging, and we give her so, so much credit for what she's doing. Anyways, we'll go ahead and let her introduce herself and tell you about her newest endeavor. Hi,
2: I'm Gina Bellis and I grew up in Westchester, California and have had the pleasure of being a new San Pedrin here. I'm currently restoring an old Victorian house over in Central Pedro off of 17th Street. And this has
1: been quite a journey.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much for for being here today. We're excited to have you. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah. um, I came across your account during my first early days of sleuthing Instagram and trying to discover San Pedro that way. And I fell in love with everything that you were doing. (laughs) Um, So... Yeah, I would, I'm really excited to just get into, like, learning more about you and then also how you ended up with becoming the owner of Victorian Great. by the Bay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so let's take it back a little bit and then kind of give us a, a rundown of your background. Like, what was your childhood? Where'd you grow up? Okay, so I
2: am from Italian immigrants who came over from Italy, probably, I want to say, in the 20s, 30s. Um, of course, when my parents came along, um, they were in New York because most immigrants kind of end up there. And so they came over to California probably um, in the 60s, I want to say, and I had an older brother. So then I came along and grew up in Westchester, um, just trying to find a more small town feel. I mean, Westchester's not huge. But it just didn't have that like friendly atmosphere that I was looking for. I wanted that Hallmark movie in Los Angeles. Where are you going to find that? You're going to find it in San Pedro. That
0: <laughs> so. is so funny. I yeah. love
2: that description. <laughs> I, I love
0: that you went seeking out that small town vibe yeah. and you ended up here.
2: Yeah, I think it's because, again, my parents grew up in upstate New York and Rochester, which when I would go and visit as a child, I just loved that small town. Everybody knew everybody. I mean, I flew out there one time. For a wedding, and as I'm walking down the street, you know, people are like, "Oh, you're that girl from California." I'm like, "How could they possibly know that?" But that's how a small
1: town is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you better be careful what you're up to, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. Keeps everyone in check. <laughs> that's cool. And then, so growing up in Westchester, um, where where did you end up before you ended up here in San Pedro? Like, what was your journey? Uh,
2: so I went through a divorce in 2015. And I ended up out in the valley in North Granada Hills, beautiful neighborhood, but it just wasn't the beach area. You know, living in Westchester, that's a lot closer to the ocean. And so it was beautiful out there, but again, longing for being back closer to the ocean and just being in that more smaller town feel because the valley is quite large and everything's very spread out. So it just wasn't for me.
1: Mm-hmm. and then from there where did you go
2: I just I from there I ended up here I basically what happened was I, I've always wanted to have a bed and breakfast or own a historical house and so again having family back in Rochester I reached out to them they were kind of helping me look at properties out there and my mother who has since passed away had said please don't move back to Rochester you're gonna hate it you won't like it so in a last-ditch effort I just typed in historic houses for sale in Los Angeles <gasps> And amazingly, so there were some that popped up in like downtown area, but two popped up in San Pedro. And one was the famous Dodson House. It happened to be on the market and it was out of my, you know, budget. And then this sad little dilapidated Victorian that just captured my heart came up. It was great price, but it was a probate sale. That's a whole story in itself. Oh my goodness. I mean, but I had to go in court and bid on the house (laughs) against um, somebody else that already had an offer in. There were investors that wanted to tear it down, and I just wasn't gonna allow that to happen, so. And originally it was supposed to be kind of an all cash thing, and I was trying to finagle cash together. Um, It was supposed to be a 15 day sale, and you had to show proof of funds. And so my mom had just passed away at that point, and so I had her account, so I was on her, you know, I was on them, I'm like, oh look, see I have the money. (laughs) Oh, wow. But I technically didn't have all of the money because I have brothers. And so I was able to, um, again, this 14 or 15 day sale ended up turning into six months of a nightmare. I mean, the last owner had, I guess, a wife that never got child support. She, it, it was terrible. It was six months of really fighting hard for this house. I had to like threatened that I was going to walk away, even though I wasn't going to walk away um, from the sale, just to get them to finally settle with me. I mean, we had transients living in the backyard. Um, People were lighting matches in the house. They were breaking in. And my neighbors that I'd gotten to know because San Pedro is so friendly, everybody in the neighborhood had given me their phone numbers. And I would call the police. And they're like, look, someone's got to put a security fence up. Someone's got to clear this yard out. I didn't even own the house yet. But I loved it so much and I wanted to protect it that I just went ahead and had faith that it would be my house and I went and paid all of that because the probate attorneys had like no money to give me to do this.
1: So probate, just to kind of give a little bit of glimpse into it, means that the owner had passed? Or yeah, so it was basically possible?
2: when a property or anything goes into probate, it's generally, unfortunately, the previous owner didn't have a proper will set up. Um, stating beneficiaries or exactly where their assets were supposed to go Mm -hmm. and so this is what happened with this house and Mm -hmm. this is probably one of San Pedro's little hidden gems so happy to save her there was a lot of bets going on with contractors would drive by you know what are you going to do you know you're going to tear it down or restore it? And then I said, oh, we're restoring it. Oh, oh, we all thought you were tearing it down. and Oh, my
1: gosh. How um, funny. I'm a
2: firm believer that there's no such thing as a tear down. And that's one of the, I belong to an old house community on um, Instagram. And that's one of our kind of mantras. We just do not believe there's anything, you know, that could be called a tear down.
1: There's always a way to save it. I love that.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're so, saying like the status of the house is never so bad that you have to tear it down. Exactly. Understood. Yeah, okay. yeah. I was yeah. going to say people tear down houses all the time. No, no you're saying- these old houses. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's so
2: sad because if you look at the quality and the craftsmanship of just the architectural details mm-hmm. in these old homes, you cannot go and have these details remilled or replicated I mean, the, the cost would be, like, astounding. Mm-hmm. And I found that out because the house was quite rotten in certain areas, so mm-hmm. I had to have that done. And I know firsthand how
0: expensive it is. Yeah. <laughs> so had you had any experience doing this before? Well, that's the story interesting old because, old because
2: I have three brothers, and mm-hmm. I grew up in a family. My father was a plastering contractor. Mm-hmm. So all my brothers were contractors, and then all of my uncles as well. My father had seven, it was seven brothers and one sister all seven of those brothers were contractors of some sort. They were plumbers, electricians, carpenters, plasters, wallpapers, I mean, everything. So I'm, even though I was a girl, and back then, you know, girls just didn't do those things, um, I had the ability to sit and watch all of my uncle's work and just like a sponge soak all of that knowledge in. So the house didn't really scare me, um, even though the first time I saw it, it Walking in there was almost like a haunted house. Yeah,
1: I can only imagine. It, yeah, it had
2: been, um, I'm not gonna say abandoned, but empty for over four years because the previous owner sadly had passed away. Um, not in the house, but off property. I believe it was at a Smart and Final over Aww. here. In, yeah, he was buying dog food for his dog and he passed away. But he had kind of run it into the ground, you know owning an old home being an ambassador or a caretaker of an old home because we really don't own them we're just caretakers um for the next person it's a lot of responsibility to keep that house maintained and unfortunately he did his best but he just it kind of got into this deferred um, maintenance and then it sat like i said for about four years feral cats running around inside mm-hmm. and the very first time i saw the house i called i couldn't get in like the actual listing agent was a probate agent and I think because they already had a bid they just maybe didn't want to show me the house and so I kind of finagled my way in because I was gonna see the house and as soon as I pulled up I was like oh boy and this young very young agent met me there and you know he opens the door and we walk in and first thing I see is a hole in the floor and I'm like oh this is gonna be fun
1: (laughs) oh my goodness
2: and then all of a sudden this black feral cat just comes screeching down the stairs just freaking out and the guy was so scared he almost fell on his behind he was like he was screaming like a girl and i'm laughing a poor cat's bouncing off the walls he finally gets out of the house and we kind of walk in and now i'm just like it's got the higher ceilings and even though it's filthy and it smells horrible i i can see beyond that and he's going this is the worst house i've ever seen in my life and i'm going
1: I love it. And here I you are it. seeing I know. I'm all like, the potential. I'm going to get it.
2: I have to have this house, you know? And so after that, I called the agent, the real estate agency, and said, okay, you need to find me someone that specializes in probate sales because this young man is just not going to work out.
1: <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, yeah. So had you always – so your uncle and your family had been in construction. At what point did you start to turn from just understanding construction and appreciating it to actually, like – appreciating older homes or older maybe the process of restoration yeah I
2: think I've always been interested in older homes I don't know if I'm just an old soul from another life that's what I feel but um, I used to build like miniature Victorian dollhouses I've always been um, fascinated I'm actually a miniaturist and I specialize in little miniature figures like human figures scale figures that's so I'm an artist and so I think that being an artist naturally that's your day job no, no, no. Oh, <laughs> that's just your that other ho- that, hobby. Well, it was back before um, um, when I was married. Yeah, I used to like have a business with the miniatures. Um, but that's with this house, I haven't really been able to do anything like that anymore. But yeah, so just I think being artistic and creative. And then my father, even though they didn't bring me into the business, he had wanted me to like go to school to be an interior designer. He wanted to bring me in to this contracting business in a way he thought you know i would you know shine and be an expert at of course i wasn't very college-minded and i felt like well, i don't need college to do this so it's just something i think that it was a gift from god just naturally inborn. born and again the love of the old houses um i worked on i when i lived in westchester we actually redid the house that was there so i got a real hands-on feel for the construction and refinishing so basically at this house right now Originally, I had contractors coming in. I was having a lot of problems with them because they weren't respectful of or respectful of the old houses and how you need to preserve certain things. You know, mm-hmm. they'd walk in and look at my floors and go, "Okay, we're going to cover these up. We're going to get new floors." And I'm like, "Oh no, 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 no! We're going to these. These are 125 plus years old. Mm-hmm. We're using these floors. You know." And so it was a constant battle, and re- restoring the porch and the balcony. That quickly like blew out my budget because that's like one of the most
1: historic aspects of the home. So and, actually, before you get into yeah. the, the details of the restoration, um, you told us a story of how you came across the Victorian by the Bay. Yes. Um, I'm curious. Did restoration begin right away? Did you have like a game plan? Did you meet up with a contractor to know what exactly your process was going to be, or just by the bootstraps, like just did <laughs> it. It was a little of both.
2: I mean, I had a game plan. I brought my contractor boyfriend with me um, to the property, and he, you know, he's used to building multi-million-dollar homes like in Beverly Hills and Brentwood, and so he came to see it, and he, you know, gave me a budget. So I doubled it because I know that's what they say to do. And being in construction, I'm like, okay, that got blown out like ages ago. He again wasn't familiar with the old house process and just the restoration. It's a lot easier to just tear stuff out Mm -hmm. and rebuild it with cheaper supplies than it is Mm -hmm. to go and restore. Um, So once I got to that point where the budget was blown out, I've just been stripping all the woodwork myself, doing refinishing, sanding, refinishing all the floors, the doors. I've become like the wood restoration expert on Instagram. (laughs) And a lot of it, this house, I mean, it has taught me skills uh, <laughs> that I didn't think I had and it's pushed me out of my comfort zone
1: but in a good way like in a
2: great way so. so
1: I can attest to this because I started following your Instagram account which is Victorian by the Bay and it's following all of your journey of restoration and I think I came across at the time that you were restoring the floors themselves yes and I mean these were old dilapidated floors yeah, they were bad <laughs> really bad what yeah. was like the process of what you Went to do so
2: initially again with contractors saying that they had to be replaced I think their thought process so at some point probably when they um, were working on electricity and adding in I don't know a wiring maybe outlets somewhere instead of cutting into the walls they cut into the floor so there were areas where there were holes there were some areas where they were rotted so we had to bring in and have specially made boards you know that match the wood vertical grain clear-dug fur and So that was the first process of getting the floors all patched up. They also had old paint. People had painted the floors. I mean, it was so bad that when someone ripped up the carpeting, they basically just, like the glue and the burlap backing, they just left that there and just painted right over it. And people lived like that for like decades. And it was shocking. And I wasn't originally going to strip all the woodwork. I was just going to strip it back because the paint was so thick and gloppy just so I could um, you know, get it smooth enough to repaint it. But then when i stripped the wood and i saw how pretty it was underneath and i could see that it originally had been stained and shellacked i was like okay i can't i can't i've got to bring it back the way it was so it's but yeah but the floors it was just a process of can i do this because in the past i'd always hired people and then i was like you know what why why can't i do this of course i can do this and if i fail then i call somebody and i say hey you come in and you sand it back off and you do it and guess what? It's not that hard to refinish your own floors.
0: Wow. Yeah. Well, I um, I kind of wanted to just, like, recap a couple things. So you actually sought out a Victorian home to pretty much do this project, right? You, that was something you've always wanted to do is restore oh, an old
2: definitely. Home. I mean, it would have okay. been nice if it had been in better shape. Mm-hmm.
0: But you, <laughs> that would have been a plus. You went in knowing this oh, yes. was going to be a project. Yeah, I think... That was something you've always wanted to do.
2: Definitely, I think it would have scared a lot of people away. Mm-hmm. But again, growing up with that um, contracting mm-hmm. background, again, yeah. my father always just kind of teaching me along the way. He taught me so many skills, mm-hmm. and that gave me that courage.
0: <laughs> the other to thing do I that. wanted to touch on too is you mentioned that you were part of a, a group. That did you mention a group that like does this or? Mm-hmm.
1: On Instagram. So that goes into the Instagram story. Right. Right. Yeah. So I wanna know like at what point did you start the Instagram account? So backing up a little, so the house took six months
2: to close. Such a great story. But anyways, so after that, I think the house closed April of two thousand eighteen. And I wanna say I started that account by July. I think it was July fourth, was my very first post. I showed a picture of the house not looking so great with the American flag flying in front of it and just kind of introducing because a lot of my family didn't even know I had purchased this house and they're like wait you move wait this is your house and it's like yes it is and so that's kind of how it started and um, it took a while to build a really good following because for me I really love having those true organic followers that are interested in what I'm doing Mm -hmm. I also started the Instagram account because I have a website but I always am an overthinker. And so, you know, down the line, if something should happen to me, if that website isn't paid up, all that hard work I did is gone. And that happened. There was a man here in San Pedro that I can't remember his name, um, but he had a website that was all the history of San Pedro. And I'm sure you guys know Romy or knew mm-hmm. Romy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so she was the one that first kind of told me a lot of the history. She was the very first person I met. Um, in the historical society but anyways my point is that the websites can be gone and all that information is gone unless you're going to pay it ahead you know Mm -hmm. 20-30 years and nobody does that but with Instagram, Facebook, those accounts they stay around so it's a great way to Preserve. Um, you know, yeah, preserve the work you're doing and yeah. the information. That's you know.
0: incredible. Well, uh, first of all, I realized that we got you in here so quick that I didn't realize how maybe um, not acquainted you were with the podcast. Have you had heard of us before?
2: Um, yes. Okay. Uh, I think it was when you started following me. Then I wow. kind of looked you up and I'm like, oh, it's
0: a podcast. That's great. And so I've listened to a
2: few of them. And, so she yeah.
0: she introduced me to your account. And we, you know, we've had you in the back of our mind for um, September because... Um, September is Angela Romero's birth month. And so this month we're actually, you know, paying honor and, you know, to her um, by doing pretty much a series of episodes focused on history and so um the her episode the one we did about her and who she was and her work just came out oh yeah yeah, just came out this week okay um and so yeah and so from now on we're going to be focusing on history in the next few episodes and you're going to be a part of that oh that's wonderful yeah so
1: amanda's a really close friend of Angela Romero, Romy. Yeah. and Romy was sort of like the the
0: yeah. She actually had the original San Pedro podcast. She had a podcast called That's So Pedro. Yes, and I used to listen to it way yeah. back in the day. And um, and then it you know it kind of fell off. It was way ahead of its time. Yeah. And then when I was listening to podcasts on my commute every day to work, I was like, you got to bring it back. You got to bring yeah. it back. And then. She was like, you do it. You know? And that's <laughs> yeah. really, like, with her guidance and her blessing, like, honestly, she was such a mentor to me. Uh, yeah, incredible um, woman. That's uh, that's how this started, yeah. yeah. I mean, like
2: I said, she was the first person I walked into the archives to do some research, and she was just sitting there and just a wealth of information. Oh, here's all these books, here's this, go to the library over here, they have that. I mean, and we became friends, too, and she was just, just the most amazing, amazing woman. I mean, the walking tours that she did her block by block blog thank god she did blog spot so that'll be on there forever too because if she had done a website Mm -hmm. we could lose all that Mm -hmm. important history and information
1: that she worked so hard
2: Mm -hmm. that's such a good point i had never considered
1: um the preservation of like even digital you know know. and like where it could actually live and websites aren't always permanent yeah no they're not (laughs) so yeah she was like i said just Gone Too
2: Soon. Beautiful woman. Just loved her so much. I know. Yeah. Wow. So I'm so glad you guys have
0: mm-hmm. done that. It's
2: mm-hmm. awesome.
0: Yeah. yeah. She was my most frequented guest on the podcast, like, in the early days. She's yeah. probably been on, like, I don't know, six, seven, seven times, maybe. Right.
2: <laughs> and, and so I know... That she was on the San Pedro Bay Historical Society. And then, you know, when you have an old house, they're going to hit you up. And so now I'm on the board of the San Pedro Bay Historical wow. Society. Uh-huh. I run their website and I run their Instagram. <laughs> so, oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. You are doing it all. You know.
0: I didn't really know anybody from that, you know, that group for a right. while. So I'm so glad that we finally have a connect, you know? Yay. Yeah. And um, very cool. I think we need to do a whole episode on just the Historical Bay Society, too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And we're
2: def- trying to get, just a whole new audience, um, you know, bringing it more up now to now because (laughs) it has been a little outdated and they admit that and we're trying to appeal to a younger audience because it's really hard to get people that are interested in, you know, the history of San Pedro, Mm -hmm.
0: the historical homes. I think that's one of the things that Romy did really well. Oh, yes, yeah. Well, she really brought history to you and she actually got people out of their houses walking around in the neighborhood and you know actually listening to her give you have you been on one of her tours you, uh, i think you, yeah, yeah yeah you mentioned yes, it yeah so um you know her tours were amazing yeah. and they were just a fun thing to do in your head but then you learn all of this fascinating information that you didn't know about oh, she had the
2: best ideas because she even got the trolley i think involved mm-hmm. at one point mm-hmm. i do believe she even drove them by my house it was back when it was looking more like a haunted house and everything but she had these great ideas where she wanted to do like this halloween trolley tour. i mean she had brilliant ideas so i'm hoping somebody or
0: People you know, that's where yeah. we're hoping to, yeah. we're we're really trying to, we're trying to do our part in taking up, because she has a huge, I mean, there's so much that she did that we cannot possibly fulfill right. the legacy of her, but we want to do our part by yeah. sharing stories and by, you know, facilitating a place for those, you know? Because yeah. didn't she
2: start another website that was also a historical, so what, she what was that? She founded
0: the San Pedro Heritage Museum. That was it, yes. And, um, and... I think, and we kind of discuss it in the episode that came out. As um, we do think that that is going to live on and come to fruition. Oh, I hope so. So yeah. we're excited. You know, about the
1: incredible thing—I is I never got the chance to meet her at all, but I'm in, like in awe of how often and how many people have act- She's actually touched, and how much her legacy is living on in various forms. You yeah, know, even yeah. with you and like with um, with Amanda, with like so many people. Oh, I know that. I- I mean, you, I could be walking toward downtown to go to, like, a first Thursday. and Or
2: she'd be, and all of a sudden, I'd bump into her, and she'd be doing a walking tour. Hey, Gina, you know, and big hugs. And then she'd be telling everybody, oh, this is Gina, you know, Victorian by the Bay. And she I was in that. the very last, I think, one of the last interactions we had. She messaged me with a photo of an Eastlake, an antique Eastlake chair that was at a local um, estate sale. Gina, you got to get over. You got to go check this chair out. And, of course, I bought it. And I was, like, I was thanking her on my and you know just had no idea she would be passing away so soon but grateful to have known her uh
1: yeah incredible
0: well I was just gonna say I think that you are doing part of the work that she like you know that she fostered and encouraged here in this town and I and I love it oh so. thank you mm-hmm.
1: yeah so um I'm going back to what you were saying so you had um re- started to refinish you had met the you know blown the budget and then decided I'm going to start doing this and documenting it on Instagram yes definitely and now I feel like the
2: pressure of constantly having to show everybody something which is so hard because like right now I'm like the glamorous job of cleaning up in there because it gets very messy with the construction stuff going on and the sanding and the sawing and the cutting Mm -hmm. a big project lately was just redoing the front stairs or steps there had been no steps um on the house for the last like four years wow. just like rickety things that the construction guys had built just so they could go up and down just to get up on the and porch so happy that's finally done and hoping to get a fence up and landscaping but still the entire downstairs yeah. needs to be restored and some of the stuff upstairs so mm-hmm. i'll be back to that wood stripping real soon again
1: <laughs> <laughs> so um, what is the progress or the status update on the restoration right now for Victorian by the Bay?
2: Um, so basically, again, just getting ready to tackle that downstairs. Um, hoping, I, I don't know how much longer it's gonna be because it's already been like four, over four years. And if I'm only done with the upstairs, I try not to think about the downstairs so much. But I'm hoping, you can't really put a time frame on restoration. Um, it's not it's a journey. It is. I mean, if I was just doing new construction, it's bing, bang, boom, done. Um and then fortunately or fortunately for me it's it's a tough journey but I wouldn't trade it. I mean mm. it's taught me a lot about myself, taught me how strong I am. Yes how resilient. Yeah, resilient, yeah. um, patient determined lots of patience mm. and perseverance. Yep. Those are the the two big P words. Yeah. Um I when I was stripping these doors I actually would name the doors. So one of them is patience, one is perseverance, and one is prudence. So they all have names because of what they put me through to get all the paint <laughs> off.
1: I love that. I remember you naming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Hey, real quick, just wanted to remind you that we have a Patreon. So if you are enjoying this episode and you're loving the podcast, then we invite you to check us out at Patreon.com/slash Hello San Pedro. There, you will get access to weekly bonus episodes. And in this week's bonus episode, we talk to Gina about why this town needs a gay bar (laughs) and how we can make this a safe, thriving place for the LGBT community so that they don't have to leave to feel safe and have some fun. And if you're wondering how that comes up, it's actually a really cool story and you'll just have to listen to find out. Anyway, back to the episode. So um, I kind of want to get a list if we can just kind of like a bullet point list of everything that you've accomplished so far cuz the the journey has been you said four years so far right, right? so what have you actually accomplished cuz i think we've been kind of speaking in some vague terms so right. i want to like list it out for so, the listeners
2: well it's it's good and it's bad so the upstairs consists of two bathrooms and there'll be there was three bedrooms up there was three bedrooms i guess so there's a room up there that I call it the pop-up room Uh, originally the house and it's still considered a duplex and I I don't want to change that status because the pop-up room um, I still need to pull permits and such but I want to push it out and make it bigger and it has its own entrance from the outside because it was always considered a rental like way back in the turn of the century or like early 1900s they were renting it out as a as a room the house itself has always been a rental um so i want to work on that but in the meantime i've managed to restore two bathrooms and two of the bedrooms and that's it it doesn't sound like a lot but the whole entire upstairs you know, had to be redone. I mean, plaster was literally falling off the walls. Yeah, so <laughs> I, as,
0: as I was going to say, like, as a resume, you wouldn't just say, like, I worked here and I worked there. You know what I mean? I yeah. was going to say, say, if I could... You re-stripped the, the, the yeah, I mean, wood mean, it's and you... If I could
1: list it out, I mean, you redid the plastering on the walls, mm-hmm. you've wallpapered, and you've done the molding, you've done the doors. Oh, everything, You've yeah. done the floors themselves. And everything that you've done, you've done with intention to maintain true to the authenticity as much as possible you know
2: Mm -hmm. and it's it's hard because part of me is at that victorian style but then i kind of like that 1920s so now i've taken to and i'm sure you've seen on instagram is i'm restoring um antique light fixtures which i never in my wildest dreams ever thought i would be wiring and restoring light fixtures so that was You know watched a few YouTube videos and just being again artist I was able to figure out um, how to restore them and maintain if it's there the original finish if not what would the finish have been like Mm -hmm. this house didn't have any of its original fixtures left so I've been just you know, obtaining fixtures that I think are appropriate and mm-hmm. going with that,
1: so. Just sourcing a bunch. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um,
0: what do you know about the history of the house, and what have you learned on your journey about the house, so, or maybe the people who lived there?
2: Right, so that's really interesting. Um, when I went in originally to the archives and was with Angela, um, I was shocked to see in the directory, like, I'm like, gosh, so many people live in this house, sometimes There was more than one different family living in the house at a time. So that kind of sparked my interest, well, why? And so, and everybody kept saying it was built in 1895. Now, I have not been able to find any concrete proof of that date. Um, You know, I'm waiting to get a copy of the bill of sale where the house sold back in the 1950s for like $8,500.
1: Wow. (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
2: and because I just recently had the pleasure of meeting the people the lady that grew up in the house I want to say she grew up there in the 60s. Her dad was there in the 50s and That was the first time it got sold from the original owner so getting back to that the original owner was um, last name Crocker of the Crocker banking empire and I'm not entirely sure if it was Henry Crocker or his son William H. Crocker, who built the house. I'm still working on that. But they were both real estate moguls. And Henry was very well known and respected in this community for building all these properties. But he never actually lived in them. He just built them as rentals. And I think his son kind of followed in his footsteps. So I haven't been able to figure out the timeline on that. But I do know that it was built at least by 1900, 1901, possibly 1895. I did find a newspaper in the dining room bay. That was marked 1903 from San Francisco, which would definitely validate the whole Crocker, you know, family because that's where they were from. Um, but <laughs> that I think that bay was built on later, like it wasn't original to the home. And so, as far as I know, you know, that's who built it. Oh, and I did find. So we had to take down the the porch, not porch. I'm sorry, the stair upper staircase landing, the spindles or railings. To do the floors, and I remember I came home from work one day because I was commuting at that point, and I about had a heart attack that they had taken this down, and they're like, "Oh, don't worry, it's all you know together." But the good thing that happened from that was when I flipped over the rail, I could see like, like, An like inception? writing. Well, yeah, like, I guess back then when they would mill wood, just like they do nowadays too for jobs, they would use like a blue grease pencil to mark like which job it was for, like they would name which job, so I could see the um, name on there so chiseled off like they took off the little pieces of wood that were blocking it and i, I think i even like put this on my instagram it crocker was on the wood so 100 percent we know the house was built by a crocker i just can't verify which one uh, one of two that's incredible Yeah, it really is so the thing is so he built the home specifically for rental with the city i believe or here in san pedro it's called the widow's walk and back in the 1980s, it was Tom Dawson and Kathy, Catherine Fergus, who owned the home. And they were the ones that first actually really kind of fixed it up, because it's always just been, because it was a rental, nobody was really taking very good care of it. And so they did what they could, and she kind of went in and you know painted. And, but they did things that kind of damaged the home as well. this was in what time period this was from I want I don't know I have photo books of her doing the work which I'm so glad they kept being left in the house with each person that purchased the house so they're like a treasure to me you know just to see that Um, but when I talked to the lady that grew up in the 60s I was showing her some of the work in the kitchen that was weird and she was like oh yeah no i thought they did it i thought their family did it in the 50s or 60s and it turns out she goes oh no we didn't do this no 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 this wasn't here so it had to have been tom and kathy and they were there i want to say from like the 80s to the early 90s and then after that the house was sold to martin ward who was quite the colorful character a lot of people in pedro know of him and the parties he used to throw there <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> a lot of you know fun stuff that um, went on but again I don't know how the house got the name the widow's walk but I found certificates and awards that Kathy and Tom had won for beautifying the neighborhood beautifying the home and it's called the widow's walk I mean again doesn't technically have a real widow's walk but it has this beautiful balcony and porch and the balcony and porch. Victorian houses, generally, the porches will wrap around. This one, I can't even find one like it. It wraps inward, like an an L, inward. And I think when you're up there, you can see out to the whole port and marina. And so, you know, widow's walks traditionally were put out where women would stand up there and look for their husband, their loved one, to come home, and sometimes they didn't. And so that's how the house
0: got its name. so it's referred to as a widow's walk it is okay and i i was like i'm not familiar with that term i didn't realize that's what that was yeah so wait is it on the first floor so generally
2: a widow's walk would be upstairs at the highest point Uh there's a house a couple doors down me actually the one that sarah and nick are in um and that has a little kind of pop-up dormer type um, structure that's kind of a widow's walk or it would be like if you've ever seen like in the old movies the ironwork at the top and it's mm-hmm. kind of flat mm-hmm. and you could stand up there mm-hmm.
0: um so that's what yeah it was.
1: wow yeah and it was for like usually like sailors or you right. know men yeah. at sea men and at then sea, them waiting or, for it. yeah so yeah. very yeah. interesting and um, so not that long ago i remember you were doing a stories can you tell us a little bit more about the history of the the photos that you found the original what was it, immigrants that came over? Oh, yeah.
2: So I was on Ancestry, and I just was typing in names of people. Or I type in my address, and then when you type in the address, it will give you little hints. And this family popped up that I don't know if they lived in the house, but I know they lived in the neighborhood. But it was just interesting, you know, to find these photos of, you know, these people that just beautiful, you know just coming over here the whole history of coming over from a lot of them were Croatian and Italian (laughs) so I guess it was natural that I just ended up here (laughs) I was gonna say did you know that
0: there was a big Italian community here
2: I did know there was an Italian community um, and that just stemmed from years ago when I was in a the South Bay Bird Club of all things Um, some people mentioned oh you're Italian oh you know we have this this big Italian club but I never quite made it over here
1: but I think I was just destined to be a the for sure. <laughs> that was a calling. Yes. Yeah. So what other fun tidbit or anecdotes have you learned about the house?
2: Um, I don't know that I've learned anything new about the house. I just know a lot of things that get uncovered in an old house. You never know. It's like a Pandora's box. So when you open it up, you just you don't know what you're going to find. And uh, one thing, the bathtub upstairs, it was the original cast iron tub that probably got Brought into the house, like in then, 1918, 1920, somewhere around then. At some point, um, a plumber cut into the floor joist. Now, floor joist should always be more than a two by four.
1: These were only made of a two by four, and and the reasoning is for the support. Right, of the it. support. You need and the support to yeah. cast iron t- or tubs. Are like how, how like many pennies? pounds? Yeah, they need yeah.
2: two to three hundred pounds, depending on how big or how old they are, and somebody at some point notched into a two by four which is not very big to begin with to run some pipes and i remember when i looked at the house the floor was kind of bouncing up there i had no idea how dangerous it's amazing that tub did not fall through the ceiling you know through the floor to the the bottom you know level and so you know had to go in and beef it up with you know bigger much bigger joists and everything so that was not a good discovery but it's little things like that that constantly Mm -hmm. um
0: now, are, are you investing your own money in in all this? Yes. Wow.
2: Yeah, so that's why I have that job. <laughs> so it's kind of
1: funding this right now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and which you mentioned earlier, you have yeah. a full time job aside I from do. doing this. Yeah, I do. <laughs>
0: are you living there?
1: Um, no, not okay. right
0: now. Okay. Yeah. So you're living elsewhere in San Pedro?
2: Yeah. Well, just outside. And then I do have a trailer in the backyard. So like on the weekends, you know, come and stay. stay. Yeah. Uh Yeah.
0: I love this. I love the dedication to the project. That's incredible. Um,
1: And also, you're not, you you weren't really an expert prior. Like you had been around construction. You were familiar with it. It didn't scare you. But now you've gotten a point where, I mean, you just said you're like the the go-to person on your in your Instagram circle for wood restoration. Right. They call me the
2: Bob Ross of woodwork. <laughs> <laughs> wow,
1: because yeah. it's incredible. So, just to give a little um, tidbit, you were restoring these doors, and you had to change, I guess, where the handle went or the the um, right right like where the knob would yeah, go. Yeah,
2: A lot of older doors have they've had the locks in the door to change so many times that things get plugged up with other wood. It doesn't
1: match. And so in the process of you trying to restore it and, like, make sure that it looks seamless, you actually had to, like, paint on the wood grain to match the actual wood grain of the remainder of the door and then stain it. And you literally painted it on. And again,
2: that art background really came in handy for that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it definitely my first go with the historic house. Like I mentioned, you know, doing the other newer house in the past, like in 2006, 2008. But definitely this was your first historic home Mm -hmm. and that's not going to be my last
0: (laughs) wow yeah i love it
2: that much i really do
0: i have a question is there is there a goal with the house after you're finished now i i know it's probably hard to imagine ever getting to that point because you still see all the work that needs to get done but like it's done what happens then you, you mentioned earlier a bed and breakfast is that still something that it's you want to it's something do? I
2: definitely want to do of course would have to talk to San Pedro about what is and is not allowed because I know there's a lot of Airbnbs here mm-hmm. so as I've been you know designing this home I'm keeping that in mind which is one of the reasons why I want to push that exterior room out because it doesn't have a bathroom it doesn't have its own little kind of eating area or anything it's Hard to imagine that somebody would have lived in a seven foot deep, maybe 15 foot wide room and have been renting that. I guess back then they would just share the bathroom and the rest of the house. Not something that I would, I want to create where everybody would have their own space, their own Mm -hmm. bathroom. So that's been in my head in the forefront. Uh, The garage, everybody seems to have some sort of rental over their garage. I'm probably one of the few houses on the street that does not. So my dream is to also at some point do that, turn it into what would look like a Victorian carriage
1: house. So it'd be real seamless. That's exciting. I'm really excited for seeing the progress continue because it's been enjoyable content for myself right. oh, <laughs> as someone you. who appreciates DIY and like you know, I, I just like appreciate everything that you're doing because oh, you're really restoring something you. that thank is you. a treasure and a gem it back is. to its it like. Is shiny new character you yeah know?
2: no i and like again i look forward to that and you were like i said asked me earlier about like the bed and breakfast that kind of came too because people would just stop and ask me if that was an intention uh with the cruise ship industry i've had people ask me like when do you think it'll be done they want to book it they want to stay there so i'm hoping that that you know will definitely work out and also i've had nonprofits contact me hoping that I'll do some kind of home tours and I totally want to do that. Yeah. And get back to the community that way. I was way. gonna say yeah. I could
0: totally see having <laughs> some some events, you know totally paid events too. Yeah. I feel like you need to make your money back. <laughs> but also, you know, share the beautiful history of right. of Definitely. that home. Yeah. And um, yeah, I do think it's incredible. Would you use it for filming? Would you release it for filming? And it's interesting that you've asked that because I get asked quite frequently mm-hmm.
2: but what happens is the like the the location scouts will come by and they see the outside and it looks really beautiful and then they'll leave notes on my door for them you know for me to call but then they'll say well I go you can use the outside but you can't use the inside well, no, we need to use the inside. I'm like, no, you don't understand. Unless you're filming something for a hundred house, you do not want to use the inside. I go, you just, you can't. It's yeah. not and ready. <laughs> no, because even like no, they film Perry Mason here a lot, and um, I think which is set in the nineteen hundred. or the 1920s, 19- I believe, 1930s, yeah. somewhere mm-hmm. in between that time frame. Yeah, so um, I think down the line they may use it as well. You know, I think so. Yeah, when so. you're
0: finished restoring it, I could. Yeah, totally I think they're waiting it. for the
2: landscaping and again just to if mm-hmm. i could just at the very least get the entry when the door opens so, looking good
0: <laughs> for the landscaping too you probably are going to try and keep it you know i'm i'm assuming to a design that would have been fitting for an you know an early 19th century home right
2: yeah it's and that's interesting too because the front yards at least over in my area they're very tiny yeah. they're you know the properties here aren't huge um so there's not a whole lot you can do but i want to i don't want to have grass i want to have originally it had a brick a walkway which we had to remove to do some work so we're going to put that back but i want to do maybe a mix of pavers and then have like the English, like, kind of garden beds in the front, you know, just something real, again, pretty and it would be appropriate
1: mm-hmm. to the style of the home. So, what is the reaction and maybe even like the support that you've received thus far from like friends, family, and now even like your Instagram community? <laughs> well, initially, I remember sitting out
2: in front of the house, the security gate was up, and I remember I believe it was Halloween night. And we do get a lot of children on, on the street, which made me happy because my last neighborhood. Nobody trick or treated. And I remember just hearing people go, Oh, that's the haunted house. That's the scary house. And the kids, Oh, that looks so scary. And I'm, I'm sitting there on the porch going, Oh. And now, you know, it's so nice because, again, people will just stop by and they're just bowled over. Um, Diane Middleton, who you know, um, and Pedro here, Commissioner. Oh. Of the, so she was uh, friends, very good friends with my. Um, neighbor Lorraine Arian who was Dave Arian's sister he was he's like a rock star you know he was I had no idea how what a celebrity he was here well he passed away but recently uh, before Lorraine passed away Diane was sitting on the front porch and we were chatting and she said I have never seen this house look so good and that was a huge compliment because I believe she mentioned to me that she and Dave were the original owners of my house next door, you know, when they purchased it, probably also back, I don't know if it was the 70s or, you know, when it was, but, so that was a high
0: compliment, Mm -hmm. (laughs) definitely. That's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. I feel like you've done, well, I think, I know that it's been a long journey for you, but for people who are seeing you, it's been a really wonderful encouragement that we're not just losing our history uh, and just tearing yeah. down old buildings and, you know, putting up a little apartment complex right. or something, yeah. you know, it's been encouraging for us because there is a lot of people in this town who are concerned about losing that history, right. you know, so we, that's that's what we wanted to focus on is talk to those preservers, talk to those people who are actively preserving that. Yeah.
2: Oh, I know, and I'm so glad, like, just to be a part of the Historical Society because that's something that's, you know, very important to everybody and the town. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I want to say it was probably in the 80s when there was a huge boom, and a lot of these really cute little old houses were just torn down to build these huge multi-family dwellings, mm-hmm. and it is so important to save these older homes. And I've met a lot of younger couples that have been purchasing um, some of these little historic craftsman houses. and. They're on Instagram as well and they're working on their homes and so exciting to I see them. I have
0: heard that there are more, more couples who are kind of doing the same thing yeah. where they're not just putting in the new stuff, they're literally restoring the old or like at right. least trying to put it within the same style, you know yeah. what I mean, yes. so that it's authentic to the home, right? Yes, I mean. because um, yeah,
2: my house is just outside of the Vinegar Hill historic mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, preservation overlay zone. So I'm not quite in that, but if you drive over there there's so many cute again, a lot of craftsman homes, but just so
1: that was beautiful
2: and well preserved. That was
1: an appeal for me and my husband, like when we came to San Pedro was I mean, I grew up outside, like in the South Bay area. And I my notion of LA was just sort of suburban carbon copy in a way Mm -hmm. and coming to San Pedro seeing so many homes in different styles like craftsman Spanish Victorian like that was incredible and to see how Mm -hmm. much of it was like preserved and intermingled it just like gave this charm and character to the city that's
2: one of the great things about this town is the diversity even of just the people you know it's that's what I love so much about it. it's this great little melting pot of everybody even class you know race everything it's and again so much to do I mean there's for such a I'm not gonna say small town it has a small town feel but San Pedro's a lot bigger than I initially knew because I just think oh San Pedro downtown because that's where I live but then you get up to Western and it's massive but there's just so many different things to do restaurants Wow I mean and it's just growing by leaps and bounds every day
0: Mm Um, Okay, so I think we can get into the questions that we ask everybody, and I think you'll have a unique perspective because of what you're doing. Um, The first question i like to ask everyone is, what are some things that concern them about San Pedro, or perhaps, you know, you would like to see improved? And then the second part is, what what excites you about San Pedro? So first, what concerns you? Okay,
2: well, I would say just only because of what I've been through personally with the home, and... That would have been the homelessness and maybe the drug problem with some of the transients that come through. Um, Because I do see that San Pedro has such great outreach programs and they have fantastic, you know, they have shelters. There's there's really no reason for all of this to be going on because it's a choice that's being made by these individuals. I mean, I'm a very compassionate person and People that are truly homeless, you know. I know if that happened to me, I, I would be just over at one of these facilities, reaching out for help. Mm-hmm. And so I recently saw on was it Chris Balonic has a thing on the crime in San Pedro mm-hmm. um, on Facebook, and he has Instagram. And I think it was on Pacific. There's that little area like 13, 12, 13, 14th where I think like Dancing Waters and all those, where apparently these same people had broken into these, I don't even know how they wouldn't know since it was going on, but had broken into these buildings and had broken holes through all the walls in these businesses and had basically taken over and they were making drugs in there and doing, and I'll drive down Pacific and I see what a gem it could be. It's the stores, the storefronts, and I just see all these younger people coming in and I could see it being revitalized, especially with the port, but I I don't know how they're going to solve this problem. Because I do feel that the true people that have lost their home and they're homeless, they have so many um, resources. Mm -hmm. But then we have these people that have come in and they choose this lifestyle. They don't want help. They're offered help all the time and they don't want it. So that would be my concern and I hope Mm -hmm. that the city can get a... I feel like they've they've definitely mm-hmm. just since the kind of pandemic ended that they I feel like they've gotten yeah. a better handle on it. I do see improvement. I do.
0: I think there is a there's a big discussion to be had about that yeah. um, because the people who do end up on the streets have so many different stories right, of how exactly. they ended up there. Yeah. So you know it could be a family going through um, health crises that they can't afford, and right. then they become behind on their rent or their mortgage or whatever and they lose their home and they end up in the streets
2: right, right? but they're not the ones that are out there breaking into houses right. breaking right. into properties you know they're, and that leads they're, us right. to the
0: other group of people which who are probably suffering at a deeper level than just the finances yeah, right they're mental. they're yeah. mentally you know mm-hmm. the the mental state has um i want to say degraded in a way the uh the drug addiction has yes. caused them, you know, so that nothing is important except for that right. fix, you know? And so those are all mental health and health issues that mm-hmm. need to get addressed. We actually had an episode with um, Brandon Evans. Bra- yeah, with Brandon Evans from okay. Providence, and he works in that unit oh, wow. that deals with the mental health. Um, the It's like the mental health crisis unit. Mental and, and
1: behavioral health, yeah.
0: And then also the Addiction Recovery Unit. And so it is great to see these programs here. But I think even to his point, he was like, we need more. Or we need just more. Yeah. (laughs) More support. There's so much burnout in those particular support industries. it's difficult, too, because
2: you can't force Mm -hmm. these individuals who need help. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these people are really young. They're, like, in their 20s. And and as a parent, it breaks my heart. Yeah because that could be your child that mm-hmm. you know what happened what went wrong it's just mm-hmm. a little scary when you know you see somebody coming in on camera onto your property and, absolutely and again and they don't they don't want they're they're refusing this help mm-hmm. they don't they don't think they need it and mm-hmm. so i hope that mm-hmm. there's a way that we could help these people seriously yeah,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, on the flip side of that question what is what are some things that excite you about san pedro
2: um definitely just watching the growth some people might not like a lot of these buildings that are going up in downtown but i like the fact that they're remaining like they're keeping storefronts in them There's so there'll still be that business opportunity uh, but it's looking more like a downtown while still retaining its charm so that's exciting of course, I'm still waiting to see what's going to happen with um, the new port to call, which now what is it called? West Harbor. West Harbor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that goes. How um, do
1: you feel? Because, I mean, you are pretty close to very close <laughs> the yeah. marina. There's going to be an amphitheater in there and
0: everything. Uh,
2: that one I'm not so sure about. Only because I I, I don't know where they're going to put all these people. Um The speakers could be an issue. Um, Just being on the historical society, we have um, been going to a lot of the meetings. And from what I understand, the speakers are actually going to be facing toward our properties as opposed to out toward the water. Really? Yeah. And so that would be a concern. I I think it's the opposite. Oh, yeah. I hope hope that that's true because Mm -hmm. um, I haven't been to any of these meetings, but our president, Mona, um, she has been attending them, and that's been a huge concern because... I mean, if they can come up with proper um, parking and I guess the way in and out of town without congesting the town too much because we only have, you know, Gaffey, we have Pacific, you know, small town. Um, It's an interesting idea. Mm. Oh, and I know, it's all to see. Mm. So that's really, yeah, that's, I had the pleasure of going over there. We had one of our annual meetings held down there and they were giving us a tour and such a fascinating place, doing a lot of really cool experimental work on just like harvesting possibly food from the ocean in the future. I mean, uh, keeping our air clean, because that's a huge issue in the, with the port. Um, I think there's a boat docked there right now. I think it's still there. And if you look, you'll see like this weird metal contraption sticking up in the sky. And from what I understand, that is a boat that's recirculating its emissions mm-hmm. and then Cleaning it and then letting the clean air back out. So I love that. That's a, you know, really
1: great. San Pedro has such a great focus on marine life. Yes. And like capturing that. I and love that. Yeah, yeah, and a
2: lot of people will say, oh, you know, it's so dirty. The harbor's so dirty. It's not. If you go walk in the marina, you will look in the water. And where can you look in the water? And tons of starfish. And when the jellyfish are around, they're out. And mm-hmm. stingrays and just schools of fish. I mean, there's so... Uh, oysters oysters mm-hmm. you know mussels I mean there's just so much like you know marine life in there and I feel like if it was truly polluted they just wouldn't be able to survive that so I
0: think that there is like a good separation between the the port water right and the marina and, yeah. the, and the beach water right. you know what I mean yes, like it really yeah. truly isn't mixed as, yeah. as we think it is you know um, yeah, because I went paddleboarding in the marina, um, and it's so clear. It really is. It plain. is pretty clear. Yeah, it is yeah.
2: beautiful. And I love it just specifically where my house is at. If I go stand up on the roof, which I don't do too often, <laughs> but it's like there's 180 degrees of water, which I guess is where the whole bay comes in. And that reminds me like, just of my account name. Uh, everybody always thinks that my... Houses in San Francisco. San Francisco, yeah. Everybody, even <laughs> though on my profile it says, you know, restoring in eighteen ninety five Queen Anne in the, you know, har you know, harbor, you know, port of Los Angeles. So many people think that. But it is a Victorian, it's by the bay, it just happens to be San Pedro Bay.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. I yeah. love that name. Um so my question that I always like mm-hmm. to ask us is describe your ideal Gina experience in Sandy in San Pedro. Okay, well, again, getting back to outdoors, um, just taking that
2: walk over in the marina. And then, if, if I'm feeling up to it, going down to the ocean. There's just something so restorative about walking in the sand, and I guess it will kind of demagnetize you from all this, you know, <laughs> electronics that we use. But it's so beautiful out there. Um, stopping at one of the many little coffee houses that we have here. Oh, they're all so good. Mm-hmm. Um, where else can you go? Um, where you can go to have dinner, and you walk in, and they're like Gina, you know, they know you. And so, one of my favorite restaurants here in town, again, living closer to Central Pedro, is Puesta del Sol. I'm in there all the time. <laughs> you'll you'll see me there. Say hello. Um, and again, you walk in, and everybody's like Gina, Gina, or where have you been? You know. And uh, downtown is the same way. So those are the things you know that I just enjoy doing is getting out, enjoying this natural beauty that we've been blessed with and then all the fine restaurants and cuisine so
1: mm-hmm.
0: I love that mm-hmm. yeah Pedro Pedro really does have um amazing restaurants and I think that it's just a matter of time before we really have like a, a thriving downtown life you know right. where you can really come out and yeah. stay out and not have to really drive anywhere else to enjoy your night you know right. mm-hmm. I,
2: yeah, I think before the pandemic it was really getting there like The town was so much more active, and I would just Uber in because, you know, I wanted to go to this restaurant, that restaurant, have a couple of drinks, go into Godmother's, you know. Never in my wildest dreams. Have you been to Godmother's? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Well, so one of the co-owners of Godmother's is Lorenzo Torres, and his father is my other neighbor. So, again, everything's so closely knit here and all tied together, but, you know, so I would catch an Uber and just go into town, and when we, what was the... The fleet week Mm
1: -hmm. the first
2: couple times i attended holy cow it was just insane but then once the pandemic hit it really kind of slowed everything down and so i see it all coming back to life again and that definitely excites me Mm -hmm. Um, because you know for a while you couldn't even get an uber and now i think you know that was the thing too the uber drivers they're like your neighbors like they get in and it'll be the same driver picking you up and like hey where are you going tonight you know and I love that you know? even <laughs> so. the uber drivers are like the local yeah uber they drivers. are yeah <laughs> unless it's somebody that's coming in that drops someone off from like you mm-hmm. know from Long Beach or something then yeah they
1: generally would be your neighbors which is fun <laughs> yeah, yeah. gotta love it <laughs> I love that well thank you so much Gina it's been such a pleasure talking to you and hearing these stories uh-huh. behind the restoration and Honestly, you're like a beacon to so many people. If you're, you know, restoring or wanting to treasure something old, whether it be a furniture, a home, whatever it may be, I love that. Oh, thank, so, thank you. you. Oh, my pleasure for being here. Thank it's you. It's a so. big
0: thing that you're doing, and it's um, I, it's it's truly is. You're restoring our history and preserving our history. In a way that it really needs to, um, and yeah, you're you're one of the heroes without oh. capes <laughs> in well, this town. You, you know, um, I truly see people who do that, you know, that work as as heroes. You know, oh, unsung heroes. You. So we really we love what you're doing. I cannot wait to see the progress continue yeah we'll then, do a
1: part two and go tour the there place you go. yes yeah.
0: absolutely definitely a, oh my gosh a part two in the future would be amazing <laughs> yeah. so we wish you all the thank luck you. in the world and please yeah. let us know if you need anything you know thank we've you. met a lot of people doing this so if we can connect you with someone helpful oh awesome we'd love thank to. You. love it thank you
1: yeah. thank you
0: that's all for our episode follow us for more on instagram at Podcast.
1: huge thanks to rock Ashfield at palm realty boutique for providing us such a gorgeous reporting space
0: and thank you to all of our amazing patreon supporters
1: leave us a review and share this episode with your friends neighbors and coworkers. see you next week